everyone. Welcome back to the arena. This is MD joined by Kobe and once again another special guest, our second one virtual of the, uh, this is now our, uh, I'm still losing count of our conversations, ninth. Uh, at some point we're not going to fit on two hands, so that's, that's kind of around the corner which is pretty cool. Uh, but before we get into our ninth conversation, as we always do, uh, let's show love and appreciation appreciation to those that have uh, been listening to the show, have been uh, passing uh, word of mouth the, the show to their friends and whatnot, and um, the amount of positive feedback and reinforcement that we've been getting continues to grow and, and motivate. So thank you all, uh, and hoping to deliver just a, another great conversation here. Yeah, what's up, guys? Matt here. As always, thank you all, first of all, first and foremost, Thank you. Thank you to everyone that listens every week. Thank you if you've opened up one show. I mean, it, that, that means the world to us. We've got one of my best friends here, Sean Perella. I met Sean five years ago, about yeah. something like that. Five years ago, I met him at my first job in Champaign. I don't know why the hell Sean came from Florida to Champaign, Illinois. We'll, we'll go into that a little bit more. But Sean, in all seriousness, Sean's one of my one of my really, really good friends. He's a just a genuinely good person, and I, I'm super excited for you guys to kind of listen to this conversation today, and I'm super excited to have the conversation. So without further ado, uh, Sean, why don't you kind of just introduce yourself, provide a little bit of a background of who you are. Obviously, most of these people that we've interviewed so far have come from or born here in Chicago, so why don't you just kind of talk about where you're from and how you've gotten to where you are? Yeah, of course, you know, first up, um, yeah, I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to be on the podcast with you guys. I'm just fired up to be able to discuss some of these topics that are particularly important to me. Um, I think what you guys are doing with the podcast is fantastic. So, But there is one thing, you know, if we're being 100% honest, when Kobe first texted me about having me on, my heart sank for a second because, you know, me and Kobe have had those one-on-one -on -one deep conversations, but for the majority of people that know me, except for a select few, I'm very closed a little bit. You know, I'm not as open with my emotions and my feelings and even just sharing what I'm up to, good or bad. So, you know, this is definitely out of my comfort zone, but, you know, that's what it's all about. And, yes. yeah, getting outside your comfort zone is the only way you're going to grow. I mean, we talk about this all the time. So, yeah, a little about me. Um, you know, my name's Sean. I currently live in Tampa, Florida. I grew up in a suburb of Jacksonville, Florida. Shout out Fleming Island. Um, and from there, you know, I went to Florida State University, had a great time in college, four years. And after that is when I moved up to Champaign, Illinois. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more, but I couldn't even locate Champaign on a map before I moved up there. So it's all funny how it works out. But uh, I'm back in Tampa, like I said, and I work in commercial banking, um, particularly commercial lending, underwriting, that whole ordeal. So. It's all good on my end. I'm glad to be here, and you know I'm excited to step into the arena with you guys. Yeah, I, I love that. Look at that. Uh, no, I mean that that's great. So it, I guess yeah, on that you you glossed over it so quickly, but you went from Jacksonville, Florida, to Champaign, Illinois, or Florida State. Graduated from Florida State, mm -hmm. and you took a job in Central Illinois. Yep. Just walk us through like what. What prompted you to take that role? I mean, I'm so grateful you did because I would have never met you otherwise, but just mm -hmm. talk through like what was going through your mind when you decided to take that role and just the jump from going somewhere uh, completely new to you. Obviously, you don't know anyone, don't even know anything about the state. Yeah, so 
when I was wrapping up my last year or two of college, I was still unsure of what I wanted to do professionally. Um, and my dad's in finance, he was in banking. Um, so I kind of just followed in his footsteps and thought that would give me the good base um, to start my career. So I started looking online for some management training programs with some local banks. And I came across this bank that had an office in Fort Myers, Florida. So, you know, I was like, okay, Fort Myers would be nice to live in. So I went ahead and applied and did the interview process. And, you know, at the end of the interview, they were like, we would love for you to come in our management training program at our headquarters. And I was like, sweet, that sounds awesome. They're like, by the way, our headquarters is in Champaign, Illinois. And I'm like, where is that? So I looked into it and, you know, I thought long and hard about it. And I was like, I've lived in Florida my whole life. Like, let's do it. Like, let's just take a leap of faith. I don't know anyone up there. All I knew was I was going into a program with four other guys that were around my age, fresh out of college. So, um, you know, I took that as an opportunity to, to explore something new and went up to Champaign, packed my car, drove up there and, and didn't look back. And, you know, I'm so grateful that I did. Um, it, it worked out, you know, I'm not the biggest believer and everything happens for a reason, but, you know, being in, being up there and, and living with you and, and some of the other guys we worked with and, you just being so open and introducing me to your friend group just really helped me out um, during that period. So that's what got me to Champaign. And you know, I was up there close to 18 months, but one winter up there was enough for me. I was I was ready to get back down to Florida. So as yeah. soon as I could get back down to their Fort Myers office, that's what I did. You said everything happens for a reason. You actually said you don't believe in it, yeah. particularly. I That struck me because the guy sitting next to me is, I'm pretty sure, is also has a similar viewpoint. I'd like to hear it really quickly. Like I, I personally, I, I kind of think it does. I think everything tends to happen for a reason. Like everything, I mean, it's totally in your head, but everything to, for me tends to tends to work itself out. And so that's why I personally, I think that things do tend to happen for a reason. But MD, what are your thoughts? Because I know we've had this conversation. Yeah, I, I'm like, I'm like the guy who's like, I don't necessarily believe in soulmate or love at first sight or mm -hmm. destiny or fate or everything happens for a reason. I, um, I question and challenge a lot of that point of view. I, I think you can use everything and in, 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 uh, in light of like your experiences as fuel or as like a catalyst to make things out of that. Um, but I, I, I think things just happen. Um, and what you do with those happenings, uh, more times than not should be you know in your control what you make of the moment what you make of the experience and then when you look back you can say okay well I made a really good friend and I you know used this to propel my career uh, well you made that the reason like you you made it mean something in my opinion I, I believe in like manifestation like you created it um, and so that's I, I guess where I come from uh, not to lose my own uh, train of thought there but um, yeah, that's, I guess, how I think about, like, everything happening for a reason. Yeah, I just, to me, everything, everything for my set, like, everything's played out in a way where I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like, in the moment, you're like, what the, what the fuck? Why, why, you know, why did this happen? But, but then hindsight, every time I actually self, every time I reflect, I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense. And I'm glad. And even the shit that happens to you that sucks, it's like, there's still stuff you can learn from it. So to me, maybe it's just a mindset thing and always looking at things from a more optimistic and um, self-reflection standpoint in a way to kind of improve. But uh, anyways. Well, where, where are you at with that, with that Sean? But you just heard 
two perspectives. And yeah. he said typically no. He said typically right. he doesn't, like, but... Did my, did my explanation resonate, or do you view it differently? I relate to more so what you were talking about, MD. Um, you know, I don't know if everything happens for a reason, but it's what you make of the situation, and, and sometimes those things you know, propel you forward or propel you even downwards. So it's just a matter of how you handle things and you just got to roll with the punches. Things happen and it's what you make of it. So that, that's where I stand on it, pretty close to where you are. So growing up in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. you have, if I'm correct, you have one sister, right? Yeah, I have an older sister. She's three years older than me. She's awesome. I look up to her. Yeah, so. like how's your relationship with your sister? How's your relationship with your family more broadly? Yeah, yeah, it's funny because when we lived together when we were children and we were growing up, my sister and I were not close at all. We were honestly polar opposites. Um, She was the more straight edge, um, kept to herself, never caused any problems at school or with the parents. And I think when I came along, it was was a shock to my parents because I I was the troublemaker. I was the class clown. I was always, you know, getting into things that I shouldn't. And Um, You know, me and my sister didn't have a lot in common until we both matured and I think post-college has helped out a lot and I've gone to visit her plenty of times and, you know, we we are just so much more relatable and mature at this level now where we have a really good relationship and I always look forward to talking with her and that's someone that I can, you know, actually really confide in and we're still very different as people but our relationship has, has flourished a lot in recent years and I'm grateful for that. Because you, you had mentioned like earlier, the first thing we were talking about, how you're not normally very open. Yeah. Um, maybe closer to the best. You know, if there's something you would never tell anybody but had to tell one person, do you think your sister would be that go-to person for you? Yeah, she, she'd be up there for sure. Um, I mean, I have some close friends that I, that I trust with everything. I mean, me and me and Matt have had some deep conversations. Matt, Kobe, I, don't, I never call you Matt. <laughs> I, but, I know, I do it too on the show. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, my sister is definitely someone that I can rely on and, you know, especially career wise, if I need any input or advice from, from, you know, another source, she, she's a great resource for me. Um, so yeah, she's def- definitely one of the most important people in my life that I can talk to. So when was there like a time in your life where you were, you had been kind of closed off? Was there a time in your life where things where you were just what kind of prompted you to open up to um, you know, the few people that you have, because I think about myself and for the longest time I was closed off to basically everybody, or I thought I was open, but I really wasn't. I was hiding parts of myself. Mm -hmm. And there obviously came a point where now I really do feel like I'm an open book for the most part. I feel comfortable doing that. Like, was there a time in your life that you can point back to of like, okay, this is when I started to become a little bit more um, vulnerable with both myself and other people. Yeah, yeah. I think there were some events um, that happened in my life that you know kind of led me there. And I always suppressed my emotions. I I didn't know how to handle them or process them until the point where it kind of spilled over. Um, and I mean, one of the particular events that happened that you know I've talked to you about, Kobe, was. Back in 2019, my father got sick and ended up passing away in a short amount of time. And processing that and trying to handle that um, was really tough for me. And being able to open up more in that circumstance just really helped me deal with it and grieve with it. And um, that that's what, you know, 
it, it felt good to let some of those emotions out, but I was still very particular with the people that I would confide in and trust with, with you know, certain things that are going on in my life or certain emotions. What do you, what do you need that person to be? Like, what, what makes that person the person that Sean says, hey, yeah, I, can, I can open up to this person? Someone who's just willing to listen and understand how you're feeling. Like, I'm not telling you this, whatever's going on, because I need you to tell me what to do. I don't need a solution. Most of the time, I'm not looking for advice. I'm just looking for someone that I trust and that I know really cares for me and has the best intentions for me and vice versa. Um, so just having someone that, that can listen and understand and just doesn't even have to relate, but just be there for you. Um, and that doesn't, like, that doesn't sound overly complicated. And right. yet, perhaps so few people you can find that. And, yeah. and I'm just curious, like, in your mind, like, what makes a listener a listener? Like, what, what signals to you that this person's listening to me or this person's an adequate listener? Yeah, I mean, some people that we've gotten close to, like, having deep conversations, and I can tell they, they kind of change the subject or they don't feel as comfortable going deep like that. So, you know, I, I can kind of get that and be like, okay, I'll back off a little bit. You know, maybe this person doesn't want to have this conversation. Um, and, and someone that will generally, you know, just check up on you and um, cares how you're doing. And, and, and that shows. You can tell when someone actually cares about you. And, you know, um, w once I get that feeling, it makes me feel a little more comfortable. Yeah, and I think one word you said there was someone you trust. Yeah. And I'm trying to really, I'm just as, you were answering the question, I was trying to think about it for myself. And I think that trust comes from, for me, like something I, I look for is someone that's willing, willing to open up to me. Right. Or in, in the only way that happens is if I open up to them first. So if I open up and, you know, I, I might kind of, you know, start slow and the person kind of, there's, there's just a sense of level of uncomfortableness. Mm -hmm. I'll kind of pull back a little bit, but if someone answers it with empathy and is like, again, what to what you said is, is great. It, it's a lot of times I think people want to respond with a solution or how they can relate to it. And, and that's not, that's never what someone's looking for. Like we had a really, a really, really deep conversation in Florida most recently. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even have a response because all I was doing was listening and just like feeling what you were feeling and like that, that like really just like that, it just, you, you feel like you, sometimes you need someone to take some of that pain away and feel it with that person, whether it's pain, whether it's joy, but th that's a hard empathy is I think a really hard um, thing to build. And I think the only way you can have empathy is through being vulnerable yourself. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I think. No, totally. I, sorry. No, 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 no. Well, it's just. I think what we talk about with vulnerability, empathy, these aren't easy things to do. And when things are not easy to do, you need leadership. You need somebody to, to be a leader. And by example, by demonstration, by behavior, and to your point, you're more likely to incite somebody to reciprocate that back. So give you an example. If, if you're trying to jump into a deep end of water, right, figuratively, metaphorically, you're trying to jump into the deep end and get into a deep conversation, a vulnerable conversation, mm -hmm. and it's you and your buddy and you want to jump in that water with your buddy it's one thing to say hey come on like let's do this like you jump in come on jump in with me or jump in it's another thing if you're the first one to do it you're more likely to then give them the comfort level to do that with you 
And so it takes a leader to do that. And I think, Sean, maybe you can allude to it, but like the times where you were most open to Kobe, did you tend to find that, that, that what Kobe's saying is true where he had a start and like he maybe took a, a leadership position in that, in that dynamic? Yeah, a little bit, honestly, um, because like I said about myself, I'm not quick to open up and, um, you know, I feel so comfortable with Matt and he opened up a little bit to me and we both, you know, kind of, oh, I, I opened up, opened up. I mean, you were oh, the you first did. person that I, outside of my family, you were the first person I told you were the first guy I told, which to me had a little bit more, it, it, it really hit a little bit different. And I think I've told you the story and I'll tell it now and you can finish your thought. Cause I think it, I've told you it once before, but I remember there was something and that's why I think it just pays for anyone's listening right now. It pays to just be a kind, like be a kind person because some of the littlest shit that you say, you might not even think twice about, and it might, it might really resonate with someone else. And I say that because me and Sean were just having a conversation one day and he was telling a story and he, he had mentioned that one of his friends uh, like was they were out they were randomly out and they came back from the bars or something something along those lines mm -hmm. and the guy was just like like and he was drunk I think and he was like guys like I'm gay and Sean's response and Sean sent me this story and he was like oh, dude we don't oh like we started laughing like, we don't care and she, this was a year ago like Sean had no idea what I was going through but that the littlest thing right there is why I felt I had so much trust and Sean along with a bunch of other reasons, but because it, he didn't need to know who I was to respond that way. And I think that's why it just pays to be a kind person because you never know what's gonna hit with someone, what someone might be dealing with that actually resonates. But anyway, continue your thought. I just wanna get that out there because I think that just shows how good of a person you are. Yeah, no, I, just, I mean, I wanna continue on that point. Like I remember back when like high school, like we would have these immature conversations like, how would you feel if one of our close friends came out as, you know, gay or bisexual and everyone's like, you know, it, it might make it a little bit weird. And then when the scenario actually played out first with one of my other good friends and then, you know, when you when you came to me and told me a little bit about what you were going through, it didn't change a single thing. I mean, the only thing it changed was I respected you even more for embracing the person that you were and, and not trying to hide that. So. I mean, I think like if you really care about someone, one thing isn't going to change your perception of them. Like you're, you're, you're still like, I love you like a brother, no matter what. And like that, that's not going to change just because of your sexuality or whatever it may be. Yeah. No, I, I mean, yeah, like I said, that, that hearing that meant the world, I guess. Why don't we, so on that topic, I mean, you said you had some things that some very, very tough times that you've had to work through. And I think it's been admirable, it's been admirable to see how you've worked through them because I think people can go two routes. You know, they can, they can accept what, what is, what is and learn from it and push forward and, or they can spiral, right? And go the wrong direction. Yeah. And I think you've done everything possible to, to do something that's gonna be healthy for you. Did you, have you ever been to therapy uh, one and if you have, what's your experience been? You know, what would you say if some if someone came up to you on the street and asked what your thoughts around it are? And if you haven't, like, what what are your thoughts around it? Yeah, and this is another topic that like I don't go around telling people, yeah, I've been to therapy. But right. if you if you ask me about it, like I will tell you, like, yeah, I have been, and I think it's 
a great tool for all people. You don't have to be going through, you know, terrible things to, to make use of therapy. Like I think it can apply and help you out in just your everyday life. But for me, I did something that I, I don't recommend. I waited till I was at my rock bottom to seek outside help. Um, and you know, that situation was dealing with the death of my father. I was having relationship issues. Uh, mentally, I was in a bad space. And it got to the point where I, I couldn't, I couldn't take it on all by myself. Um, and that's when I, I sought some help and I got involved in therapy and, you know, finding a good therapist is, is like dating. Like it's, you're not going to like all the therapists you start with. Um, I was lucky enough. My first one that I had um, was good. And I went to her, you know, once a week for a couple months and, and it really helped me more so just get my emotions and thoughts, you know, out of my head and process those and she gave me a lot of helpful tips um, and you know I stopped after a while and when I moved to Tampa two years ago I found myself like I, I should get back into it you know life's good right now but I, I still think it would be beneficial and you know I, I went to a couple different ones and I wasn't as happy with you know the relationship we just didn't connect as well so um, I've recently started up again and I think I found someone I like going to but um, for me I would I would encourage people that if if you have any questions or have any you know inclination about considering therapy, like I think it's a great tool that you can use in your life, good or bad times. Yeah, Sean, um, you mentioned rock bottom. I'm just curious for help, maybe help paint a, a picture for us because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people can be in denial uh, of being at rock bottom per se. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what's a day in the life of Sean at rock bottom versus what's a day in the life today? And just don't paint a picture of that growth or progress. Oh, I mean, rock bottom for me was I couldn't focus on any task or anything aside from how down I felt about my current situation. You know, why are these things happening? Why do I feel this way? To the point where it was affecting my relationships with my friends. I was kind of isolating myself. Um, and and those times were, were extremely tough. And nowadays... Um, you know, I've, I've worked on myself over the years and, um, I, it's night and day difference. Like I, I try to be as social and as outgoing as I can and try new things. And, um, those things really help me mentally, um, grow as a person. Um, so it's, it's, it's a complete difference and I'm in a better space now, but you know, like everything's not perfect. This is, you know, it's. It's, you know, I didn't make it. It's not like, you know, this is the final spot for me. Like, I'm still a work in progress. So uh, what prompted you to get therapy? Because I needed someone to basically recommend it to me, not force it on me. Yeah. I knew I, I needed to be ready. But was was there someone close to you that was like, hey, maybe you should try this out? What, what kind of prompted you to get it? Because I know I had a stigma going in. You know, you know no one I really knew that I was aware of was going to therapy. So it's not like they pointed me in that direction. It was more so, you know, like I said, I wasn't good with sharing my feelings or that open. And I was like, you know, at least if I can find someone that's completely unbiased and get, you know, their objective opinion and it doesn't affect my relationships or anything, like that would be a good start for me. And that's what really propelled me to um, feeling more comfortable just talking about these, you know, quote unquote taboo subjects. So, go ahead. so you had your, because we've talked to a few people now that have had experiences with therapy and 
uh, and you had also mentioned you you you're normally or typically more closed off. I don't know about maybe today. That's a little bit different, but like when you go to therapy, when you went initially, were you like, all right, here are the topics I want to cover, boom, 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 or did you maybe dance around the bush a little bit, and um, or did you just go head on tackle those specific areas? Yeah. Um, what was that like curriculum, if you will? Oh, for me, it was, you know, I was at my lowest point. So I literally walked into my first appointment and it was just word vomit, like from my childhood to now. And she was trying to just take it all in. And it, it was, it was a lot. Um, so there wasn't really a set agenda or anything like that. Um, and then after that, we, we broke it down like piece by piece, certain things that happened, you know, as I was a kid growing up, how, how I'm doing now, um, you only can you know bite off little chunks at a time but my, my first appointment it was you know I was just spewing in there and it I, felt good it, it, honestly it didn't feel great for me I, I that was like the first time I had to really accept who I was and mm -hmm. actually speak the words out loud and it was it was very painful but I mean that's therapy that it's hard work that's what I think a lot of people don't realize I definitely realize like you get in there it's not gonna be a rain everything's not gonna be great like you're addressing demons, you're addressing trauma, you're addressing whatever it is you're addressing. That's painful it is. Um, and it's hard work, but that's how you get to the place that I think you're probably in now. And I'm, you know, in a much better spot, but it didn't come through without months of, I mean, feeling down in the dumps. So I guess I had, a, I've asked this question before to other, to another uh, person on our get on our podcast that had experienced some trauma. And I want to ask you, is there anything in your is there anything that's happened in your life like of all you know the traumatic experience whatever it might be that you've had would you take any of it back if you could and i ask that question because i think about it for myself and i've said this in the show before but i'll repeat it like i again my sexuality is a place of shame for a really really long time and now it's at a point where I can truthfully say, like, I'm, I'm proud of who I am and I would not change who I am if I could go back. And, you know, it, it, because I wouldn't have had all these life lessons. I wouldn't have endure, gone, endured what I've had to endure. So I don't think I would change anything. So my question to you, and there is no right answer, but I'm, my, my, my question is, is there anything that you would change? Would you take anything back? You know... I don't even really entertain that question because I can't change anything. So yeah. even thinking back and, you know, I, I wish this didn't happen or why did this happen and questioning things, it's like, I'm just, I'm just wasting energy at that point and I got to take it for what it's worth and either make the best of it or, or not. But I mean, it's, it's not a matter of, you know, I wish I could change it because I think everyone has those thoughts, but it's, it's really not productive thoughts to have. Well, phrased differently, or maybe from a different angle, um, based on your growth, based on your progress, um, are you maybe grateful for having seen rock bottom? And, you know, because I, I hear Mike Tyson talk about it, right? Yeah. Where, like, that's, there's beauty in having been, and I don't want, you know, not beauty within the why you are at rock bottom, but mm -hmm. beauty in knowing that you've been there and now you've climbed up out of it and to the top of where you're at. And, and like you said, nothing's ever perfect, but you're perhaps at a peak today. That, you know, maybe tomorrow is even more of a peak. But uh, having been at rock bottom, having climbed up out of it, are you perhaps grateful for that experience? That's very well said. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I try to put a positive spin on anything that I can. And yes, these things happen. And, and I was, you know, I was down when it happened and I wish it didn't happen. But I, it, like you said, I don't know if I would have had the same growth that I've had over the years and be in the place where I'm at if those events didn't occur. Um, so in a sixth sense, I am grateful that, you know, some of those traumas happen, but it's, it makes me the person who I am today. And, and that's all I can do with it. Just, just try to grow and make the best out of it. Yeah. And, and you mentioned again, going back to when you were said that you were often closed off for a while, like, it just, I'm curious, I have my perspective, but how have your relationships evolved as you've been able to be more open? Has it been able to understand your feelings a little bit more as you've allowed yourself to feel things a little bit more? Like, how have your relationships with, well, one, yourself, but also with, with others, like, how have those evolved? It's been really cool to see the progress that I've made with, you know, accepting myself and and not being as hard on myself about things. And then also, and recently, like especially over the past couple of years, like I've been able to connect with some of my friends on a deeper aspect and, and being able to talk about those things. And some of the times we're going through similar situations, it's, it just makes those bonds stronger. Um, so it, it's, it's a cool feeling um, when you can get to that point with somebody. And, you know, I, I don't like, Every time I see the guy, you know, or, or whoever it may be, you know, dumping all my problems on him, like that's not what I'm here to do. But every once in a while, when you could have a heart to heart conversation, I, I think I think that's uh, beneficial for both sides. And, and you, and it's it's also just knowing that you have the you have someone there to be able to have that conversation mm -hmm. if you need to. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of that is just having that sense of security that if I am struggling with something or I really need to talk about something, like I have Sean that I can go talk to, or I have whomever that I can go talk to. Cause I, I agree. And that's ultimately why I sought out therapy is because at that time there were only two people that I felt like I could talk about my struggles with. And that was my sisters. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the first couple of days, like I was just blowing them up with like, well, what does this mean? What now, what do I do this and that? And I mean, not only there, are they not equipped to answer those questions. It's like, I don't want to put that type of burden on someone. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, that, that's also why, where I think therapy can come into play. But I, I think, yeah, to your point, I think it's just ha knowing that you have those, those tight knit people in your life that you can go to. Because I mean, like our conversations, for example, like it's not always, you know, heart to hearts. It's right. nice to be able to have them and mm -hmm. they're super meaningful, but we still shoot the shit. And that's like a true full friendship and relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Sean, you said like, you did what you're not supposed to do, I think is how you phrased it. And you waited until you met rock, rock bottom. Mm -hmm. what, why, why the delay? Like what, was it the stigma of it? Was it pride? Was it this, uh, feeling that you were, um, giving up an element of toughness? Um, what was it? What were maybe some of the factors? If any of what I mentioned or anything that I didn't mention, what were some of the factors that delayed you uh, from going? Yeah, I think it was a mixture of all of those things. Um, you know, growing up, it, it did have a stigma attached to it, especially our generation, you know, being a male, like you gotta be tough. Like, you know, just 
pull yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going. You don't you don't need therapy. Therapy's weak, and that's like the complete opposite from the truth. Like the the strongest people I know seek outside help. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's would, really would, what I'd say. I like something you normally would pride yourself on and like toughness, like because not everybody's the same, but. And I, I only know you so much through association, but right. is that something like I, I for sure know that there's an element of toughness I try to uphold. Is that, can you relate with that? Yeah, for sure. And especially like, I didn't have anyone, any role models in my life that were males that opened up like that or said, you know, I go to therapy. So my dad was very closed off and, and even cold, especially when I was growing up and he basically taught me just toughen up, dude. Like that's life. Like you'll get over it. Just keep powering through. So there is a, there is a toughness aspect where it's like, you know, I had thoughts if, if I go, you know, do therapy, like, does that make me a weak person? And you know, you learn that's not the case. So do you, so do you like carry that with you now? Because I think what a lot of men can fear is the moment I go into therapy, I've dropped my toughness, but do you see it as like you're, oh, gosh, you're carrying it through with you and it's like, I can still be a tough guy. Um, I can still have that mentality. I can still mm -hmm. perceive myself as a tough guy while also supplementing with outside help. Is that how you feel currently? How I feel currently is I think it makes me even tougher. You know, I'm building yes. up that armor, having that conversation, those tough conversations, learning more about, you know, why I act certain ways and how I can handle myself in the future and like knowing that information just makes me feel you know even 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 tougher and, and even more ready to handle what's to come in the future because you know there, there's going to be more traumas and, and more and more you know downward parts because, of life because toughness right these traits like you can measure it with, with different metrics right and so if you measure toughness by ability to suppress emotion mm-hmm or ability to keep to yourself, uh, like sure, right? Like if that's how you want to define and measure toughness, okay, right? But we, your point is like we can maintain, sustain toughness, but now it's toughness through the metric of self-awareness, mm -hmm. uh, through the ability to control and understand your emotion. Uh, and, and I think that's really important for you know men that want to maintain a reputation or a persona or a perception of themselves as I'm tough, just change the metrics, just change how you're measuring that. And I think mm -hmm. that knowledge of power, self-awareness piece uh, can really start to shift the way that we think about toughness. Well, and, and to me, suppressing emotions is, is quite the opposite. Like that's weak. Mm -hmm. That it is easy to suppress your emotions. It, it's, it's very hard to go up to, to go up to someone and say, Hey, I am feeling this way, it's not a good feeling, and this is why I'm feeling this way. It is much harder to do that than it is to take these emotions and shove them aside and keep it within and keep it internal. Yeah, and that's just where the stigma is. Yeah, yeah, I'm, not, yeah, I'm just saying, like, I, that's why I, I feel very passionate around that topic because I just, I, I, I hate the idea of, and, and I get where it came from, but again, suppressing emotions to me is a sign of weakness and I only speak again I get it's hard and I'm not trying if anyone's doing that or going through like I I totally empathize I've done that for a long time so I, I get it but to me that is a, a that is more of a sign of a lack of strength 
right? And because you're not really, you're not being vulnerable. And, and, and what happens is the more you suppress, like the, the worse it tends to get. The, the problem doesn't go away. Right. The feelings just get stronger. Um, and, it, and it kind of bleeds into, into different facets of your life and how you Absolutely. treat other people and how you feel. Person. It makes you a worse person. And even like, again, I think I've said this before, but I've always tried to be, I've been taught in early age to be a nice person, to be a kind person. It is much harder to do that when you don't love yourself and you don't feel good about something in your life and you haven't addressed it. Like it, it often for me felt like I had to remind myself, like I, I would see myself being a dick for whatever reason or being an asshole or find myself getting angry over something that's like not, just doesn't matter at the end. And I had to remind myself like, oh wait, I, I'm, why am I doing, like I should be, I'm, I'm supposed to be nice, you know? Like I have something I've always valued. Where now it's, it's much easier. I don't have to think twice about it because I've addressed what was causing me so much stress and so much anxiety and so much shame that then led to, right, these, these negative feelings. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what, what both of you said. And I was going to ask, like, were your parents, because, sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening, but um, my parents weren't always like emotionally available or they weren't the most emotionally intelligent people. And I could go <clears> to, you know, my, my dad's my guy and, and my mom, I could go to for literally just about anything and she, she'd be there for me. But when it came to like dealing with my emotions, I don't know that they were the, they, they were always there for me. And it's again, maybe their parents weren't there for them. But I'm just curious, like you kind of already alluded to it with your dad and him, you know, being kind of cold and telling you just mm -hmm. toughen up. Like, did your mom, was your mom kind of the same way? Because I didn't have that. And I think it explains a lot of why I grew up the way I did and how I dealt with things. Yeah, I think my mom and my dad were complete opposites. Um, my mom was, you know, overly caring and she would put anyone before herself. You know, I love my mom to death. She is just, she's just such a kind person. Um, but I think growing up um, and, and something that I'm working through now is my parents got divorced right after I graduated high school and you know my whole childhood I saw that something wasn't right with them like they would get into arguments all the time and you know they didn't get along that well and they took it out on each other and on us as kids and you know I found myself like I didn't want to talk to either one of them about how I felt um, and seeing that type of you know marriage and relationship i think kind of hindered my point of view on relationships as i got older um but yeah i mean it, it was really tough for me because you know my dad i'll tell you a little bit more about my, like my childhood when i was in high school um right after going into my junior year of high school my dad took a job in miami and like any normally normal family would, you know, the whole family moves to Miami, you know, new job, that's where they go. And my mom was adamant about, you know, me staying in Jacksonville and finishing my high school where I started. So my dad moved to Miami and my mom stayed in Jacksonville and I stayed with my mom and technically they were still married, but you know, I'd only see my dad once a month. And, you know, my dad was always the disciplinary. And when he, when he went to Miami, I, you know, God bless my mom, but I kind of walked all over her. I had free reign in the house coming and going. You know, I was I was like what you said. I was a dickhead in high school and even some in college. And I think, you know, seeing that happen and then 
as soon as I graduated high school, they, my sister came in town and they sat us down in the living room and they acted like it was going to be like some shocking news to us. They're like, yeah, we're getting a divorce. And me and my sister were like, you guys should have done this years ago. Like all we want is you guys to be happy and we, and we could tell you guys weren't happy. So, um, you know, that, that's, it's been, it's been tough for me relationship wise and navigating that because I didn't have the best example growing up. Um, and, and, it, and it led me to not wanting to open up to either one of them and that spiraled into me suppressing my feelings until I was, you know, an adult and had to actually handle some real shit and it boiled over and th that's, that's what, you know, I, I finally got to that point and I'm still working on it. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've, we've uh, started to draw those same storylines or comparisons with, you know, some of our other friends with, like, in conversation with them, not, you know, behind their back or anything like that. but. This idea of what you're exposed to growing up with how your parents are dealing with conflict, um, you know, the kind of impact that that can have on you as a kid, right, where you don't feel like you have an outlet to channel your, your emotions or to be open and honest and vulnerable. And then, you know, we get to that point now about 40 something minutes into our conversation. And it's funny how, not hilarious, but like funny how we can connect the dots back to one of the first things you said in this conversation, which is like, you're not normally an open person. Right. And through conversation, we're able to, you know, again, knowing you sparingly through association, uh, being able to kind of connect that with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so did, did, because I think you can go two ways. Like, were you, did you see things in your parents, their relationship where you now growing up are like, okay, this is what I don't want. You know, because I think you can look at it two ways. Like, I think obviously the best thing is if you grow up in a household where, you know, it's a very secure relationship. Both your parents are together. They love each other. It's genuine. They care for you. They're there for your emotional needs. They're there for your physical needs. Yada, yada, yada. That often doesn't happen. And I think there, I think you're, I'm just curious if you were able to take things and kind of spin it in a positive light of like, okay, well, yeah, I don't like I saw this and I don't want it and like going forward into my relationship like this is something that like I need to make sure is tidied up because I've seen what can happen if it's not. Yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly how I look at it now. You know, back when I was it was happening, um, I, I thought of it as you know really negative situation and to be, to be transparent, I had a wonderful childhood overall. Like I was super fortunate um, and you know, looking back, I wouldn't change anything. But now, you know, viewing those events that happened and, and how my parents got along, it was more of a learning experience. Like I could pick out pieces like I want to be like that when I get older or I don't want to be like that. I want to do this in a relationship. I don't want to do that. So it's more so me learning from, you know, the, the way they did things right. And then also their mistakes and things that I didn't like um, and putting that all together and, and being my own person and, you know, that that's my goal when I look back at my childhood is, is just you know build on that and I hope the next generation if I ever have kids can look at me and and do the same exact thing mm -hmm. do you have um, well I guess maybe we all do um, I guess uh, layer some questions here but um, you know what are what are some of your core values just in life maybe like one to three yeah so I'm it's a on, tough question, man. It, 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 it is. It really is. But I really Please follow think, up. I, oh, great. I, I, I really <laughs> think I really think love trumps all. And like, 
In high school, I was not that. I used to pick on people because I was insecure or I thought it would make people laugh and I acted certain ways. And nowadays it's like, I want to be the guy that everyone knows as, you know, he has good intentions. He's truly just a, a kind dude. And, you know, it's like, even with my friends now, like every time I sign off or like, you know, we leave or part ways, it's like, I love you, man. And some of them get caught off guard. They're like, wait, what? You know, mm -hmm. like they, they, they find it some, sometimes a little awkward. But, but then eventually they'll start saying it, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. why you just gotta, you gotta break that little like barrier. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think first and foremost, just respecting people, being kind, even if you don't know the person, you know, show them, you know, that, that, and they'll reciprocate it back to you. Um, so, I mean, that, that's what I try to live my life by and put my best foot forward. And as long as I'm making progress in my life and trying to do the best for me and, and the people around me, I think, you know, the, the things that I want and the things that'll be good for me will fall in place. And do you think love is a core value of yours because um, and you don't have to agree with this, you know, I'm just out of curiosity. Do you think love is a core value of yours because you saw or grew up in an environment where you felt like there wasn't that true marriage type love between your parents and you saw maybe the detriment that that can have to how it was being a kid in that household? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I got plenty of love as a kid, especially from my mom. Um, but, but seeing them not have the best relationship um, just makes me want to love that much harder um, and, and just really make, make people feel comfortable around me and then in my closer relationships, just letting them know that I care about them and, I, and I'll do whatever you know, I can to help them out as well. And I think you kind of answered it earlier. You said, when I grew up, when I was in high school, I didn't live this life of love. Mm -hmm. Like I was like, I was insecure. I was a dick. I picked on people. And, and I'm only saying this because I can relate to it so much. Now that you've changed and you've grown and you're able to, you're able to love and be kind naturally without feeling the need to bring others down or pick on people. Like that's such a better way of living. Like that is so, it's so much healthier. It's so much more fulfilling. Like that, that would have been my answer to MD's question is like, mm -hmm. I've, I've done the other thing. I've lived this life of hate or not even, but just like insecurity and, and jealousy and envy and anger and like living on this side of things is so much more fulfilling and it's easier. Yeah. Well, but, but don't, don't get me wrong. I'll still be quick to roast my friends. And, yeah. You know, yeah, I still, I only roast the people that I love now and, you know, I'm, I'm a jokester. So like, I like to have fun with it, but you know, d deep down they know where, where I truly stand and what my intentions are. Right. So I think like the common theme is like, whether you're leading with vulnerability, uh, whether you're being the opposite of who you were in the past, uh, it sounds like we're trying to like be the, that, that silly cliche of like be the change you want to see in the world sure um but we're doing it at a one-to-one -one, like interpersonally with other people we're showing love to people we're being vulnerable and open with people um and i started to really take to the idea that you can be the change you want to see in people or in, mm -hmm. in a person you know and it, it requires you sean to continue to be a leader in the things that you value which is love it, it requires a responsibility on your shoulders every day that you have that core value that knowing that you have a responsibility that you have to show love to people uh, broadly because that that's in some ways your core mission mm -hmm. uh, and the only way that you're going to accomplish that is, is if you do it consistently and, and that and in that people will reciprocate that back to you 
Exactly. And hopefully that's been your experience as you've gotten older. For the most part, yeah. It has, in, in, which... in doing it when, when it might be hard to, like doing it when you're not in a good mood, when you're tired, when when your dog has done some stupid shit. I'm talking to my dog <laughs> pissing, pissing me off today, but like doing it when when it might be harder to, when you might not really be in the mood to, to, to be kind, right? I think that's where it's where it really challenges you. Um, but when you're still able to, I think that that's like a sign of real growth. Yeah. So let, let me ask you one question because we were kind of talking about your childhood. So if you could give, you know, 14 year old Sean advice from what you know now, like what, what would you tell him? I would, I would tell young Sean to do, to be confident in yourself, man. And don't let the opinions of others dictate your actions or your words. You know, I was so focused on not saying the wrong thing or trying to impress people or trying to fit in. It's, it's embrace who you are and, and be confident. And another thing is don't procrastinate because that's one thing that I've made a bad habit of like, and, and, just don't do that. Try to get your work done earlier, and it'll be it'll be uh, way better in the long run for you. Yeah, I I've asked that question a couple times now, and, and the answer is almost always the same. It's mm. forget what other people think and embrace who you are. It's the same answer that you know eighty five year olds give when they're interviewed and they get asked, "What do you wish you would have done more of, or what do you wish you would have done differently?" And it's always. I wish I would have just embraced who I was. I wish I would have done things because I wanted to do them, not because I'm trying to please someone else or, you know, or even your parents. I think that's, that's very difficult, especially when you're, you're a kid, but like, you can't always, even the people close to you, like you, you can't always please them. Like you might have uh, a different route you want to go in life. Like I think about Jay Shetty and he, his parents, middle-class was kind of the thing of, I want you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer or a failure. That's what he was told. And so he went to fight, got a finance internship, realized he wasn't fulfilled by it at all. Like it was exhausting. And then, you know, it just so happened to stumble upon um, a monk who was giving a speech and he was like, holy shit, this is, I feel so energized by this. Like, this is what I want to do. And he had to disappoint his parents to, um, to fulfill himself. And I think that's really difficult for us to do, especially at a young age. So I, I would echo that. I, I would tell myself like verbatim the exact same thing. Yeah, and, and I would also say kindness is better than coolness. No one's gonna remember, you know, what outfit you wore back then or what the cool fad was, but they're gonna remember how you treated them. And that's gonna be the lasting impression. So I, I think, you know, not trying to always, you know, be the coolest or the best, but just treat people fairly and treat people nicely. I mean, that's what I would tell my, my younger self because I definitely struggled with that when I was a kid. Because, like, go back to me. No, I just, this all just reminds me of this, like, quote. I mean, not the kindness piece, but the being true to yourself and just disregarding how other people think of you uh, and freeing your, yourself of that burden. Um, and I can't remember who wrote the quote, but it's just like, around that idea of, like, we're always so focused and exhausting ourselves on trying to be normal when each of us can just be super insanely interesting instead, you know, and be as unique as, as possible. And I think that starts with what you said is like being dedicated to who you are truly um, and really freeing yourself of trying to appease what other people think. Because like, what even is cool? 
like you know, I think about it now. It's like what, define define cool. It's like, the it's the popular. It's it's what the it's what the populace, the majority think, right? And it's it's collective, it's group thing. So it really, yeah, at the end of the day, is not an objective. Right, and it's like whatever e whatever you know e channel or um, any of these social media reality shows like portray as cool. But at the end of the day, cool is being yourself. Whatever you find interesting, like that—that's cool. Like I admire the person that is going to be themselves, like wonky or not. That—that's who I admire. Like, I don't—I don't care about Joe Schmo who's uh, wearing Gucci shoes and this and that and driving a, a Bugatti. Like that—I mean, that's cool. But at the end of the day, like I want someone that's true to themselves. Anyone that's true to themselves is cool to me, and and in my and you know I admire. Um, we're kind of wrapping up here. I want to ask you one more question though, before I go into the rapid fire and answer this as honestly as possible. And your, your definition of happiness can be whatever it is, but like, are you happy right now? How are you doing in the most like real sense? Not like your coworkers asking you where you're like, yeah, I'm good. You know, (laughs) you move on. Yeah. How you doing? Living the dream, you know? (laughs) (laughs) How many times have we said that? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, happy happy is is a term that people throw around and I, I think it changes in different scales you know I'm not the happiest I've ever been but I'm happy with who I am as a person finally and that's taken a long time to get to this point um, and I'm, I'm happy with you know the direction of my life so overall happiness sure yeah I would say I'm happy good to hear I would I would echo that yeah uh, all right Rapid fire questions. All right, here we go. And first, and before these, just again, I want to thank you for coming on uh, on short notice too. Like, I'm, I'm so glad you're able to do this. Obviously, I wish it could have been in person. Mm-hmm. We're not opposed to having guests on for a second time. I know you're coming out here in July for the B day, so we'll see. We'll see what we can do. But no, thank you, Sean, for coming on, man. It's been such a pleasure to have you and uh, have a real conversation. Thank you for being open. Again, this is why I wanted you on because. I've started to realize too, like we've had three or four girls, women on in a row. And it's like, okay, I think that's because I'm starting to see that most open people tend to be women. Like it's hard to find guys that are willing to put themselves out there. Mm-hmm. And even though you said it was uncomfortable, you're like, yeah, let's do it. And I think that like kudos to you for coming on here and sharing your story and just being yourself it's it's not easy to do and i applaud you for it um so anyway three okay first question what's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten or just like a favorite quote something that's really resonated with you Mm, okay um all right so it's not as much as advice as it is a quote um and it's short and simple but it's no one is coming to save you and i've heard that a lot but it finally resonated with me. And when it did, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, you know, when you're a kid, you know, mom or dad can always come bail you out. Or if you're in school, you know, the teacher's gonna do everything they can to make you, you know, pass, because they don't want you to fail, it looks bad on them. But when you get into the real world, like, your life is 100% your responsibility. Mm-hmm. And, and if you don't take action, and, and you're not gonna get to the places where you wanna go in life, you're not gonna reach that fulfillment or you know check those goals off. So just knowing that no one is coming to save you, it's, it's a harsh truth, but it's, it's exciting at the same time because I have total control. Man, I was nodding my head the entire time because <laughs> I'm like, that is 100% yeah. fact, that's great. Okay, 
my favorite question. So if you could go to dinner with anyone in the world, mm. who would it be mm. and why? That reminds me of that theoretical question I see on the internet all the time. <laughs> would you rather take a million dollars or have dinner with Jay-Z or Warren <laughs> Buffett? And, you know, for business purposes, I think those would be great people to have dinner with. But for me, it's it's 100%, you know, my dad, you know, like he passed away in 2019 and so much has changed since then um, in my life and in the world in general, you know, like he never knew what COVID was. So I feel like you, I'm not trying, I'm trying not to get emotional right now, but, uh, but like just being able to sit down with him and give, giving him an update on, on what I'm doing and talking about current events and sports and, you know, everything that's going on in my life. I think he would be proud of me and, and to be able to hear that from him would be, you know, it would mean the world to me. So that's, it'd that's, be my awesome, man. that's awesome, man. That's, that hits home. Um, all right. Lastly, this is, this is a little bit lighter for you. Uh, favorite hobby? Like, what do you like to do in your free time? I know you're a sneakerhead. Yeah. <laughs> you were collecting shoes up the ass at when we yeah. were living together. So what do you just like to do in your free time? Yeah, I got a decent collection of sneakers, not going to lie. But um, in my in my free time, you know, I have a lot of common interests like you do. And yeah. you and MD love, you know, being active and working out. And I think that's why we get along so well. So if it's, you know, going to the gym, lifting weights, playing any type of sport, whether it's pickup basketball, tennis, even pickleball I've gotten into recently. Like, I try to do as much as that as I can. And I also listen to a lot of podcasts. And it's a wide this range. This one? Yeah, a wide range of podcasts. <laughs> Obviously, men in the arena comes first, but uh, but no, it's you know comedy, finance, self help, sports podcasts. Like that's what I'm interested in, and I think lastly, just anything with my dog. Um, you know, I got a dog about two years ago, and the first couple of weeks, I was like, what did I get myself into? But he he's really you know become my best friend, like everyone says, and. Whether it's you know going on walks or going to the beach or going on hiking trails, like anything with him, like I joke around and, and say he's my emotional support animal, but I'm only half joking. So <laughs> mine literally is. I had to sign her up so I could have her at the apartment. She's Same. an emotional support animal. Yep. And you're coaching basketball now, so you're a coach too. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's another thing that I got out of my comfort zone. You know, I wanted to do something, do some volunteer work. Obviously, I love sports. So last fall, I just started sending a bunch of emails and calling some high school coaches in the area. And I got some some bites back and I ended up coaching and having a great experience last year. And I plan to do it again this year. All right. I love that. All right, man. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you all for listening again for the support. Thanks. We're signing off here. We'll talk to you guys next week. See you guys. See you, Sean.